Welcome to the Compass Christian Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. For more information, visit us at compasslu.org. All right. Thanks, Anna. So this morning we're going to be talking about uh, bringing your gifts. And so we'll be talking about gifts. And before we go too far, I want to describe the kind of gifts that we will not be talking about. Uh, you might be wondering, I think Will had a birthday recently. Or, uh, you know, Pastor Appreciation Month was October, right? So maybe Will just wants us to bring him a bunch of presents. And I just want to assure you that's not what we're talking about. And if you can see on the slide here, we've got a pile of cash. We've got what looks like to be a pile of Christmas presents. And then we've got a private jet. So this is not, these are not the things that we're talking about today. Uh, not the things that we're talking today. Um, and if we were talking about me, those who know me well, just as, a, as an aside, know that I would rather spend time with you and have a deep conversation than, than any of these things. Um, so, Now, there is an element of this that is about the financial, uh, the financial world. We'll briefly talk about it when we get to Romans 12 later, but that's, that's not the majority of what we're going to be talking about. The majority has to do with other things. So what are the gifts that I'm talking about? We're going to talk about spiritual gifts today. Um, and so one thing I want to just put out there before we get started is uh, that I am not going to go through an exhaustive uh, sermon on everything that you could say about the gifts. <laughs> we would be here for a long time with just the limited amount that I know, much less what other people know about gifts. Uh, so we're just going to scratch the surface and take a real high view of it. So what, what, is, what are the gifts? On a high level, the gifts are ultimately about God working within us, his followers, his human followers. And one of the terms that the Bible uses is this term of gifts, this language of gifts. And we have to be careful because there's limitations to our, our language. And sometimes when we think about gifts, we think about something that God has given it to us and now we own it. And that is not exactly how I would describe it. We will see the different ways that God describes it in the Bible. But I think that there's an understanding here that it's his nature, it's his nature that's being expressed in us. So we are receiving something and then it's meant to be shared with others. Um, and I think there's a great quote from Sam Storms. Uh, this is me paraphrasing him. Instead of simply presence, like the stack of Christmas presents we saw, uh, think presence, think about his presence in us and that overflowing into the world around us. So before we get into um, this topic deeper, I want to open up with an invitation. Um, maybe you feel like God has gifted you or called you to do something and maybe you felt like you missed it, like you maybe you did it for a little bit, uh, didn't see the success you thought you were going to see. Uh, maybe you feel like eventually you turned him down in one way or another. Um, maybe you aren't sure about what God wants you to do. Maybe you're uh, new to the faith or maybe you're new to the season of life that you're in. And you're not exactly sure like where the Spirit's leading and where you need to go. Uh, maybe those of you, especially I think about online uh, or watching this in the future, maybe you aren't sure yet if you want to follow Jesus um, and what all that means. So... You, maybe that's where, where you are. But what my encouragement is today is I want you to listen today and hear how God wants to work with you. We're going to be talking about a lot of verses that explain that God wants to work within you in a lot of different ways. He wants you to experience his goodness and his love 
uh, throughout the people around you in, in community. And uh, my prayer is that you'll be encouraged to see God work in your life and the lives of those uh, in your community in greater ways. So with that in mind, uh, there are several Greek words that underpin what we're going to be talking about today. Um, and I, I put a couple of Greek uh, words up here. I'm not going to pronounce them probably perfectly, so if you are, are linguists, please don't uh, haggle me after the service today. Uh, so the first one is charisma, uh, and that is actually where we get our English word, charisma. And it literally means gift of grace, or some people translate it grace gift. Uh, the way I think about the terminology of gift, when we, use, when we see this word charisma in the Bible, it's a special way that God's Spirit can work uniquely in you. And the focus, when we see this word, the focus, each of these words has a different focus. We're going to talk about that a little bit. But the, the focus is it's something that we receive from God. It's not something that we start with or that we innately have. It's something that we're given by God. So when we see that word, that's the emphasis. Uh, the next word is phanerosis or manifestations is how it gets translated. This is a, a result of operating the Spirit. And so when we think about manifesting or something being manifest, what that means is that it's obvious, it's apparent. Uh, so the aspect that that is emphasizing is when, you, uh, when the Spirit is moving in your life and other people can see what's going on, they can see the visible re uh, results of that. So there are ways to sort of watch the Spirit in action is one way to put it. And then there's a slightly different thing, karpos, uh, which is fruit. And fruit is visible evidence that we are filled with the Spirit. Now this is not, it's, it's a little bit different than a manifestation. Fruit is like the result of you being filled with the Spirit more generally. Um, and so I think to help us with these three things, what I'd like to do throughout this uh, teaching this morning is use an analogy that might be helpful. Um, and it's the analogy of a car or a motor vehicle. And so I put, we have some slides up here, different cars. Um, so Think about uh, the features of these cars, these different cars we have up here. Uh, these are all like the aspects that we're talking about, okay? Now, there are some things that every car can do. Every car can do certain things. For example, all cars have turn signals. Now, those of you that have moved to Kentucky recently, you may not believe me when I say that, <laughs> but I can assure you that all cars do and should have working turn signals. Um, all cars have engines, they have brakes. And all cars need fuel of some sort. And usually when we think about fuel, we think about a gasoline or a gasoline-related uh, product. And so in this analogy, just, just bear with me here, uh, I would like to say that like gasoline, for example, it's the fuel uh, that fuels us. And I, we could think that's like the spirit, okay? So maybe I don't have a high view of electric cars, and I'm very sorry about that, but, um, <laughs> but we're going to say the gasoline is the spirit, all right? Uh, similarly, the fruit of the Spirit, that's something that every Christian can experience and develop in their lives. And so those are the things in every car. That's like your turn signal, your engines, your brakes, those types of things. Those are the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, maybe your seatbelt is your self-control. I don't know. Uh, you guys can fill in the blanks on all that. So everyone can exhibit those things. Supernatural love, patience, joy, self-control. Those are all the fruit. Now, there are also differences. We can see these vehicles up on the screen. There are differences between the cars as well. Even though they can all, they all have turn signals, they all have uh, gasoline that they use, they all have engines and brakes and things like that. Some cars seat five people, some cars seat seven. Some cars, like the one on the left there, probably only seats two. Uh, some cars have sunroofs or convertible tops. Uh, others have more trunk space. 
Uh, some can be used to haul things, others can only haul very little bit. So these additional features and the way that these cars operate differently from one another is how we can think about gifts. Uh, there are things that are unique uh, to us in the specific community that we're in and we're practicing in. Um, and then we may over time also develop different things which we'll talk about. Um, but before we go too far, again, I want to just say one thing that I, I really do think is important. And that is, I really do believe that God can inspire any gift, any manifestation or fruit in anyone's life who's seeking him. In other words, once we have the spirit, God can work with us in any number of ways. But what I'm also trying to say is that we should take the pressure off ourselves if we don't experience some of the things that we read about in the Bible, uh, because it's up to God and it's up to our circumstances and there's a lot of different variables. Um, and just because we experience something also doesn't mean that we're gifted in that thing. And we're going to talk about that a little bit too. Uh, so I just want to start by saying that we can experience any of these things, but we're probably not. And the only person I believe who did probably experience all these things was Jesus and during his ministry. Um, he was gifted in every way. So, and we may not be that way personally and probably aren't. Um, and the other thing I would point out is we're going to two passages today. We're going to spend some time in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14. We're going to spend some time in Romans 12. And in those two passages, I encourage you to read through all of them to check my work on this. Please do not take my, uh, my word for it. Uh, but, but if you read these passages, the overwhelming context in both of these passages is that God has placed us uniquely in the body to serve in different unique ways. The emphasis, in other words, is not on us being able to do all of the things. It is that we are to insert ourselves into a community where we will experience all of the things because there are people around us who are gifted in ways unique to them and are different from how we're gifted. And so that is something that I encourage you to do after the sermon. Check my work on that. Read through 1 Corinthians 12 and, and read through Romans 12 and see what you think. All right, well, we're going to open in 1 Corinthians 12 if you want to follow along with me. I'm in the ESV like I usually am, but you can feel free to follow along in whatever version you enjoy the most. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, we're going to start in a couple of verses here that use three different words, I believe, to describe similar things. And one of them is a word we've already looked at, and two of them are different words. But I think, again, we're looking at the same topic, but we're looking at it from multiple angles. It's like when you try to explain something to someone and you say, well, you know, it's sort of like this and it's sort of like this and you're struggling to sort of put it in perfect words. And here I think the Apostle Paul with the Spirit, he's using different words to explain the same phenomenon of how God uniquely works within different people. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4, what it says is, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. So in verse 4, we see that word gifts, that is charisma, gifts of grace. There are a variety of gifts of grace that God can give, but all utilize that same spiritual power. Similarly, there are a variety of ways to serve God, but we all serve under the same Lord, Jesus the Messiah. And finally, there are a variety of ways that the energy can flow. This word here, activities, could be energizings or equippings. There's many ways of seeing it, but it's an energy word. There are a variety of ways that the energy can flow spiritually, but it's the same God that empowers whatever we do in and through the Spirit. 
And so here, just in these three verses, as Paul is introducing this topic to the Corinthian church, he uses three different words to describe three aspects of gifts and what that means. So first we have gifts, the fact that it's from God. It is something we receive. It is something that is gracious. It's not deserved. Uh, those types of things come to mind with that usage of the word gifts. Then we see the word service in verse 5. And the word service emphasizes our response to the gifting. What do we do to see the gifting work in our lives? We perform service. We look around. We see what the need is. We see who needs more love, needs more encouragement. And we act in service. That's our response, our, our action we can take. And then the word activities there, like I already said, it is about energizing, is about what God does to produce that effect in our lives. He energizes it. He empowers it. So let's keep reading here in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7. It says, To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. So he lists out different things that are given for the, uh, the manifestation of the Spirit. That word phanerosis is in verse 7. And it's to be for the common good. That's, that's the thing that it mentions here. And, and he gives this list of nine. And, and again, if you, if you study the topic of gifts and you think about uh, this list, there's a list in Romans, there's a list in Ephesians, there's a, li a list in a couple different places. There's one in Peter. If you add up all those numbers, and charisma is used frequently in, in basically all those passages, I believe, um, you can end up with a list of like 20 or 21 gifts or manifestations, whatever term you prefer. And I just don't want to get bogged down with it being 9 or 20 or 21 or whatever the case might be. The point that, that this is making, this list is making, is not that it's necessarily a perfect, complete list. The point is, here are some ways that God can work within us. Here are some ways we can see the power of God in operation. And the language of this passage has also been used to say, well, one person in a congregation has this and one person in the congregation has that. And that's also not what this is saying. This is just saying, uh, you know, there's a, a, it's an enumeration of some of the ways that God can work in a congregation or in, in people's lives. So, and again, I just want to emphasize if you keep, we're going to keep reading a little bit, but the whole point in the passage here is, we may or may not exhibit all of these, or we may serve in some capacity, and God may give us something for a period of time, and then we may you know, step back and move on from that at a later time. And that's why it's important to be in community. All right, so now, verse 11. It says, All these are empowered by the one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. And it's important to know that, and I'm not going to get into the nuts and bolts of this, but... In the, in the Greek grammar, uh, that last phrase, as he wills, refers back to the spirit, refers back to the subject of the sentence. And in the Greek, it's, it's relatively unambiguous. So the person who does the willing here is the capital S spirit, which is God the Father. So God the Father is the one who apportions to each person as God the Father de decides. This is how this thing works. Um, and so, again, you're in a situation, you need something. God can give that to you. That's what, that's, what, uh, that's what this is talking about. So God meets our needs there. 
He determines what we need and when we need it. Now, like I was saying earlier, the context here is talking about how we serve together as a community. So in verse 12, it says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. So, and then, and then he's going to go into, we're not, we don't have time to read all this, but he's going to go into, you know, stuff like if, if I'm the hand and you're the eye, what, you know, what kind of judgment can I make about you and what you're doing? You know, you're serving as the eye, I'm serving as the hand, you know, we're doing different things. Um, and so the whole point is that each part of the body has a different function and it takes all of us working together to experience the fullness of what God wants to work uh, in and through the spirit. So, um, that's the 1 Corinthians 12 pa passage, uh, the initial one at least. Now I want to talk about uh, how these things can change over time a little bit because that's a unique thing. Uh, there are a couple ways that the Spirit can, can change and our giftings can change over time. One of them is uh, times in our lifetime. Things that are needs in the, in the original parts of our lives may not be needs or ways that we serve later in life. Um, and so if going back to the car analogy briefly, at one point, you might be a single person and you might be able to drive a little coupe or a hatchback or a convertible or something like that. Or maybe later in your life, you have a midlife crisis, right? And you get a motorcycle or you get a convertible or something, right? But at another time in life, for example, the time that I'm currently in, I have to drive a minivan. Like I'm just, I'm driving a minivan. That's what I'm doing. I've got three small children, so I've got I've to drive a minivan. So I'm not, I'm not driving a convertible in this time of life. Now, my favorite biblical example of giftings and callings changing over time, and those of you that know me well have heard me talk about this before. I apologize, but it's just such a good example of this, and that is Philip the evangelist in the book of Acts. Because when we meet Philip in Acts 6, he gets called to do food distribution. So you could think of him as like some sort of volunteer coordinator. He's helping with the soup kitchen. He's helping... Uh, you know, handle the administration of something like that, which is not, specifically, it's not what the apostles are doing. The apostles are devoting themselves to prayer and to the study and the teaching of the scriptures. So now in Acts 8, a couple years later, there is a dispersion and Philip finds himself solo missioning in Samaria. And if you read the account there, he's by himself preaching the kingdom of God, which is something he wasn't doing, by the way, in Acts 6. Certainly not by himself, okay? So he's in Samaria, he's preaching the gospel, and what's happening to him? He's experiencing miracles, he's, he's casting spirits out, he's having all these crazy healings, he's doing all this amazing stuff, right? So then he leaves Samaria, he's going back to Jerusalem, God tells him to go down uh, as if he's going towards Egypt. So he goes down, he finds this guy, an Ethiopian eunuch, who's heading home from Jerusalem. He's reading the scroll of Isaiah. He comes up. God tells him to go up next to him. He witnesses to this guy. He ends up preaching Christ to him, and then he baptizes him. And then, like, a moment later, boom, he's gone. Like, the Spirit literally takes him away. And he ends up in a town about 30 miles away, and then he ends up traveling up the coast. And, in, and by the end of that passage, it says he's in Caesarea. Well... In Acts 21, we still find Philip in Caesarea. 
It's not like he's gone out and done a bunch of mission work in the period of time in between that. The Bible's silent on it. We can't say definitively, but he ends in Caesarea and we pick him up like 15 or 20 years later and he's still in the same town. And by that point, what does he have? He has a family. He has four daughters that prophesy. So his life has changed. He's no longer Philip doing food distribution, although maybe his daughters were hungry. I'm sure there was some food distribution involved. <laughs> he's not doing missions work, right, classically speaking, but he's, he's doing what God's calling him to do in that time of life. He remains faithful throughout his lifetime. And so the giftings and the callings that he needs in Acts 6 are different than the giftings and the callings that he needs in Acts 8, and they're different than the giftings and the callings that he needed to sustain faithfully through his life of service until we find him again in Acts 21. And so our station and in, in, in part in life can change. But there's another aspect to this that I want to talk about, and that is our desire to experience God uh, can also have a, have a play in this. And so I want to return briefly to the car analogy. Uh, let's say that your stereo system, your speakers, are not exactly what you want them to be. I'll just put it that way. <laughs> so you save up, you put in some work, and you, you end up buying an aftermarket stereo system. Now you have better speakers, right? And now this analogy isn't perfect, but did you know that the Bible says that you can actively pursue and desire gifts? Even though they're given by God, even though they're at his prerogative, it's his decision what to do with them, did you know that you can desire them? In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it talks about us earnestly desiring gifts. And in 14, it says we're going to desire gifts and also specifically growing in love and prophecy. So first in 1 Corinthians 12, 31, it says, But earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. And a couple chapters later, in 1 Corinthians 14, 1, after he talks about love and how important love is to all of this, he says in 14, 1, Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. So here we have Paul, by the Spirit, exhorting us to pursue spiritual gifts. Even though he's already told us it's God who does it. So it's our opportunity to say, God, there's, there's ways I want to serve, there's ways I want to do things, there's things I want to accomplish, and to pray and to be faithful over the time and see what God does. Now, 1 Corinthians 14, we're not going to read all of it, but um, again, I encourage you to read it and go through it. Uh, but it is all about how to handle gifts in a congregational meeting like we experienced today. Uh, you can read through the whole chapter, and if you want to talk about it in future weeks, I'd love to talk about it. There's lots of ins and outs and questions and answers and uh, theories and other things we can discuss. Um, but there are some specific guidance points I wanted to mention here just very briefly. Uh, again, we're taking a high view, uh, a quick survey of gifts this morning. So when we're talking about speaking in tongues in a meeting, this is what 1 Corinthians and Acts has to say about it. Uh, speaking in tongues should be interpreted. It should be limited to a few people and is generally prayer and praise directed to God, although it doesn't exclude the possibility that it's not. Uh, everything that we do in an assembly should be to minister to the whole gathered assembly. And again, that's the whole point that he's making with interpreting tongues throughout this whole passage is if tongues are in a language that no one else can understand, then it needs to be interpreted just like it was this morning. Uh, transitioning to prophecy. Uh, prophecy, what, they, what, what it says here in 1 Corinthians 14, is it should happen one at a time without people speaking over each other. 
uh, and prophetic words should be weighed and discerned by the assembly. So it is our response, it's a prophet or the person who is prophesying's responsibility to bring forth the message. Everyone else has a responsibility during that, and that is to discern the content of the message. And now there are things that um, they, we know that they had in meetings, and this is why Paula does her awesome introduction to the gifts every time we do them. And in, I'll just read 1 Corinthians 14, 26 real quick. Uh, what then, brothers, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. So he doesn't say you can't have a hymn, you can't have a lesson, you can't have a revelation, a tongue, or interpretation. He just says you can do all these things, just let everything be done for the building up of the assembly. And so that is why we make time in our meetings uh, for people to share a tongue with interpretation, to share a prophecy, a brief message, a Bible verse, a poem, uh, for us to pray together, or something similar. Uh, that is one way that we can bring our gifts to the assembly here in, on Sunday mornings and enjoy them together. And now other ways to do that would be things like volunteering and serving uh, behind the scenes, which many people in this room do. <laughs> So I don't want to minimize the serving gifts at the expense of the speaking gifts. <laughs> and 1 Peter 4 actually distinguishes between those two. And then the final thing I want to mention is that all things should be done in an orderly fashion, uh, staying away from confusion. So gen again, these are general guideposts about how the gifts should be done in a meeting. Um, if you want to turn with me to Romans chapter 12, this will be our, our last passage this morning. And Romans 12 is another passage that deals with the gifts of the Spirit. And um, we're just going to read three verses here at the first part, and then we'll skip back a little bit. But um, it starts in verse 4, uh, excuse me, uh, verse 6. Having gifts that, what? Differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them. So here in the context, we see immediately that the, that the gifts are differing. We have different gifts according to the, the, the different grace that's given to us. But the point is, we should use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So here's another listings of gifts in the church, uh, and that we also can experience in the world around us as we reach out to, pe to people in the world on behalf of our Lord Jesus. So again, the primary purpose of this passage is to highlight the diversity of gifts and how it's important for us to come together as a body so that we can experience the full diversity of those gifts. Now, I want to say something that's really important, and that is, I am not the only pastor in this congregation. And I'm not just saying Paul is the other pastor in this congregation. Paul is another pastor in this congregation. There are other people in this congregation that have that gifting. I'm not the only teacher. I know we've, this is our third service. And I'm the only one who's been up here teaching. I promise you that's going to change at some point. Next year it'll change. Someone else will come up and teach. But there are other people here who are gifted teachers. Um, so building a strong community of faith uh, requires all of us living to our potential. And all of us have a variety of gifts 
That's one level of it. We all have different gifts. But even if we both have, like Steve and I, or Jerry and I, or Paula and I, even if we have some sort of subset of gifts or maybe one particular gift in common with one another, it's still going to be expressed differently in me than it is in Steve, or in me as it is in Jerry, or me as it is in Paula. So even if we have the same general gifting, it doesn't mean it's going to be expressed the exact same way. And so that's the cool thing, again, about being in a congregation. So how do you know what gifts you have? Maybe you're sitting there and saying, I don't know if I'm gifted in anything. Uh, well, I can assure you you're gifted in something. <laughs> but my recommendation would be to spend time in prayer asking God to show you how he's gifted you. And I think when you do this, one of the things that's very helpful to focus on is not focus on the gift piece of it. That's one piece. But how about that section in 1 Corinthians 12, 5, where it talks about service? Sometimes when we focus on what is needed in the local body of believers that I'm, I'm associating with, how can I serve? How can I support what's going on? Oftentimes, that's where the ball can get rolling. You can get involved with something you may not have ever experienced before and realize that God is starting to energize something in you. And so sometimes you can look for how to serve and where to serve first. Um, but, you know, the important thing is to step out in faith through that whole process. Um, the other way to do it is just look for ways to serve people around you in your life. It doesn't have to be in a local congregation. Maybe, uh, maybe you don't have a local congregation that's very close. Um, but maybe you, you can look for ways to serve people in the community that's around you. Like your, your physical neighbors and the people at your work or things like that. So God has directed us to seek after spiritual things. And it says, if we seek him, what are we going to do? We're going to find him. And if we join him in the work that he is already doing, that can be the best place to start because there's already momentum because God's already moving. He's already moving that direction and you're just joining in his effort. I want to give you an example of a time when I experienced something that I sought after and I prayed after. Um, and I don't think I'm gifted in this category uh, necessarily, but it did happen to me once. And that is um, I was out on, the, on a community outreach mission for a prior church. And uh, one of the things that we did is we were in the Bible and we were in prayer every morning, which was, was, was fantastic. And there was a period of time when I was working through the Bible that I started realizing that when Jesus ministered to people, compassion was a big element of that. And I was like, God, I want to know more about what this compassion thing is. Uh, those who know me well know that I'm not naturally gifted in compassion. I think I can say that if my wife was here, you'd hear an amen in the back. Um, <laughs> sorry, Beck, she's watching online. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I am not naturally gifted in compassion, okay? That's not, my natural, that's not my natural inclination. But I wanted to know more about it. And I could see in the scripture that before these healings, Jesus was being filled with compassion, and then the Spirit was moving. And I was like, man, that's cool. And so we were at a Bible study, and there was a guy there who uh, had a need. And when he came in, he was telling people about his need. And I guess the general wisdom was, hey, you know, you should talk to Willow after the Bible study about that. And so Becca and I, we got with him immediately after Bible study. And uh, I said, Don, what's going on? And, and Don started going through, you know, this is what I'm dealing with, blah, 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 blah. And I immediately had like five or six things I wanted to say to him. And I was like, that's not it. That's not it. So I was quiet and I was praying and I was asking God, like, what is going on with this guy? Like, what? Like, why am I thinking this is not it? 
and I'm, and I'm not downing Becca at all by saying this, but Becca started going through like one boom, 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 the three or five things that I was thinking about because she's looking at me like, why are you quiet? I'm just, I'm just not talking. I'm just sitting there not talking. And she's like, so she's just doing what she knows to do. She's going through the word. She's giving him some, and it was good advice. There was nothing wrong with the advice. Everything was right about the advice. I just knew it wasn't exactly what he needed to hear, and I was just trying to figure out what it was. And as I was praying and I was asking God to show me what was going on in the situation, God gave it to me. And it was exactly what that guy needed to hear. I'm not sure he followed through on it or not. <laughs> but I did experience compassion leading to an overflow and an impartation of something. Maybe you call it prophecy. Maybe you call it something else. But the point I'm trying to make is I was seeking after compassion and God showed me what it looked like. And that can be what we can experience too. The final point I want to make today is that our entire lives are a gift. Every breath we take is a gift. And if we view ourselves as a gift, our lives as a gift, then I think the natural thing to recognize is we've been paid for. We've, we're not on layaway. <laughs> we're not on a payment plan. Uh, 1 Corinthians 6.20 says we were bought with a price. And in the law of Moses, the children of Israel were to bring sacrifices to the priests. And during these offerings, often the priest would begin by doing what? He'd kill the animal, whatever animal is being sacrificed. So why did they begin the sacrificial process by killing the animal? I think there's a practical reason for it. Because dead animals don't walk off the altar, right? <laughs> dead animals just stay there. They're just there. So let's go back to Romans 12. In the context of gifts and service and ways that we can bless one another in a, in a community, and bless the world with our, our Christian service, for example, in Romans 12, 9 and following, in the context of all of this is Romans 12, 1 and 2, which say, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. A couple notes about verse 1. That word worship in verse 1 is a word that's used to describe temple service during the Levitical priesthood. And the word spiritual is a word that could mean logical or reasonable. So when we think about what our reasonable or logical service, worship, um, you know, when we think about what that looks like, it looks like presenting ourselves on the altar, putting our whole lives on the altar every minute, every day. Not to die. We're not dead sacrifices. We're living sacrifices. That means we have to die to self, just like Jesus taught. We die to self. We stay on that altar. Even though we can move, we're living sacrifices. We can walk off the altar. But to die to self, to live for our Lord, to live for our God, that's one of the highest forms of worship that we can offer. And it's also the most reasonable, it's the most logical, it's the most spiritual thing that we can do. 
So my exhortation this morning is no matter where you are in your walk, whether you're just starting, you're contemplating starting, whether you're in the middle, whether you're in some point where you feel like you're in a valley or you're not sure what to do next, press in, press into God, pray, seek, seek out these things. And the gifts that you know that you have, bring them. Bring them to your lives. Bring them to the people around you. Bring them to your local church, your local congregation. Bring those gifts because we need them. We need them in this congregation. We need them in other congregations. We need them in the world being manifested. People need to see the light of God. They need to see the love of God. And that starts with us. That starts with us deciding every day, every moment to be living sacrifices and to bring our gifts, the things that God has given us, to the world around us. Will you pray with me? Father, we're just overwhelmed by the things that you've given us. First and foremost, the fact that you've given us your son, Jesus, that he has made a way for us to have this new life, uh, this new way that we can talk with you and walk with you, and we can serve you uh, with everything that we do, God. We're just so amazed that you've chosen us and we're just so thankful for that opportunity. We ask, us, we ask you to provide us with more information, with more ways to serve, with more understanding, logically, spiritually, whatever way, of our gifts, the way that we can serve, the way that we can be the salt and light to the world around us. And God, we ask you also for us to see the other gifts around us, for the people that are in our congregations, are in our lives, for us to recognize those gifts and to appreciate them and to value them, God. Because we're all just here to serve you. No gift is better than another gift. We just, at, we just know that we want to serve you together. So we just lift up our hearts to you this morning. We ask you for everything that you want to give us. We want to have it, God. We want to experience it. So we thank you for all this. You're powerful. In the name of your powerful son, Jesus, amen. Thanks for listening to the Compass Christian Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. For more information on how we are striving to follow Jesus together here in Louisville, Kentucky, check out our website, compasslu.org, where you can subscribe to our newsletter and view additional resources.